Hey, hey there, cabin crew. Welcome to another episode of the Conversation Cabin Podcast. I'm your fearless host, Farah. And I'm dropping this episode today because I find it fitting, being that I had the amazing honor of researching next to her this past weekend, Jessica Jones, the Cryptid Huntress. You all know her from her Spaced Out Radio, Cryptid Huntress on Instagram, YouTube as well. She does some amazing shows with amazing guests. Now, I wasn't going to put this out until my break, um, which is until the 7th of July, where I will be putting out and get ready, Cabin Crew, Season 2. And boy, do we have a great season coming for you. But for now... I want to let you listen to our fascinating conversation. Of course, it was pre-recorded, and um, I'm just going to go ahead and play right into it here in just a minute. And then, uh, like I said, Cabin Crew, July 7th will be the first episode of Season 2. I cannot wait, and I hope you're all excited, too. And uh, But I will be putting out a little update live of course, within that time before the 7th. So keep an eye out for that. If you follow the show, you will get a notification. But let's just say this. Season 2 is going to be bringing some new ventures. And I'll leave it at that. So I hope you enjoy this episode where I get the pleasure to speak the one and only Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones, also known as the Cryptid Huntress. Jessica is renowned researcher of cryptids, Sasquatch, alien encounters, and government cover-ups, as well as a practitioner of remote viewing. In addition to her research, Jessica also runs an online store called War Women Goods, specializing in jewelry and watches with a unique southwestern style y'all you got to check them out some beautiful pieces of jewelry with her passion for the unknown and her eye for style jessica is a force to be reckoned with in both the worlds of paranormal research and fashion so sit back and let's join the conversation cabin and your host farah as we explore the mysteries of the universe with jessica jones the cryptus huntress and founder of war women goods so jessica my friend thank you so much for joining me how are you doing today hey farah i'm doing excellent thank you for having me on today Thank you. I know it's hard. You're a busy woman, so it's hard to get you in here. So thank you for giving me your time. I do appreciate it. I have many questions to ask you. This is going to be like a deep dive into you and what you are passionate about. So let me get my list of questions up because I want to stay right on track with how I have them out. All right. So now, first of all, Before I get into my questions, I want my listeners to know about you if they're not familiar with Jessica, the Cryptid Huntress. Um, Tell me just a little bit about you, who you are, why this is passionate for you, and um, how you got into all of this. Okay, well, I'm I'm Jessica. I'm just a normal, everyday person out of Georgia uh, with some extraordinary hobbies 
Okay, so about 2011, I started doing Bigfoot field research. And uh, I am actually a member of three different teams. We go out and it, it started off as Bigfoot field research. But being out in the field, when you do enough field research, you start noticing it's not, not just Bigfoots out in the woods. There's all sorts of weird stuff going on out there. A lot of paranormal activity. Um, I actually grew up being very attuned to the paranormal and the supernatural. Uh, I saw a ghost when I was a kid, dead people. Um, I had a, an affinity for like UFOs and aliens and stuff. And I would take my little nap mat, you know, from kindergarten out to my front yard. I grew up on a farm uh, out in Georgia. I live in Georgia. And, uh, and I would go look at the sky at night, look up to the sky for UFOs when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, I just, I've always, I've always had a connection to ghost UFOs, Bigfoot, any kind of creepy monsters and stuff, right. you know, things that go bump in the night. I, I'm not, I, I was never really scared of that kind of stuff. Um, I also come from a long lineage of very psychic women in my family. Uh, they didn't call it that. Okay, nobody ever okay. called it that. But just, you know, you couldn't get away with anything when I when I was a kid. Uh, <laughs> mom, mom always knew everything before I ever did something. Um, I also had a lot of paranormal stuff that happened throughout the generations in my family as well. Like my, my grandmother, my great grandmother and my great aunt, they had a possible alien abduction experience back in the 1980s, oh uh, driving gosh. down a rural road in North Georgia, Northwest Georgia, in a place called Rome, Georgia. Uh, I'm familiar with that area. Yeah, it's uh, they were driving down the road on a highway one night, and a light came down over their car, enveloped the entire car, and the next thing they know, they're two counties over, or a count, I think it was one county over, it was 20 miles away, and uh, hours had passed. <laughs> Okay, it, it one to two hours had passed, uh, and they it was almost like a millisecond. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, so they attributed that to angels. Uh, super, super, super religious uh, Christian women with um, you know, like with the Ten Commandments in their front yard and everything, and uh, you know, they they said that that was angels taking them out of harm's way. They thought, um, oh, perhaps there had been like a wreck or something of looking yeah. at it. That's yeah. interesting, Jessica. Okay. That's that's what they any any time uh, they were asked about that, that's what they said happened to them. But knowing what I know, I think it might have been <laughs> aliens. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, but uh, but yeah, everybody in my family, we pretty much all we we have a long long line of like paranormal supernatural stories going through back in the generations and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I started doing Bigfoot field research. Uh, the first time that I ever went out and did research, uh, I had UFOs flying over my head and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's been a crazy ride. Uh, I'm actually part, like I said, three part of three teams. One of my teams has documented a portal. Uh, we've sent people into it and they came back out to describe what happened to them. Uh, that has not been released to the general public yet, but that that will be coming out uh, hopefully pretty soon. Um, yeah, you know, I, I've, I've waited 10 years to ever go public with the research that we do. I do research all over the South from Georgia to North Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, you name it, uh, South Carolina, We're, we do Virginia, we, we, we research all over the South pretty much. Um, we have our, we have our hot spots. We have, you know, three or more areas that we research that are very, um, similar to Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, and a matter of fact, the head of one of my teams wrote a book called the 
meadow project, explorations into the South Skinwalker Ranch. That's Trey Hudson. And, uh, and, and that's the team where we, we go out there. We, we originally went out looking for Bigfoot. Uh, we have, we always have like orbs activity, orbs to light beings, aliens, UFOs, portals, um, interdimensional stuff happening. I mean, uh, like Bob, one of our teammates, he turned into like a fireball one night and shot across the GPS and like went across the field. It's just weird. I mean, we, we have the weirdest stuff that happens. Yeah. Um, and, and you can understand like why I didn't go public for so long. Cause the stuff that we experienced is so out there. People wouldn't believe us if we told them back in the day. Okay. So, um, so not only were we having all this crazy activity, the head of one of my teams, my original team, Enigma Research Group, uh, he is a excellent remote viewer and uh, is formally trained in it. And uh, when when we had some extremely intense activity, the first time I ever actually went out with their team, mm-hmm. um, we, I, we had like a, a possible abduction, like alien abduction kind of experience that happened, uh, UFOs flying overhead, um, time loss, equipment malfunctions, a um, whole bunch of weird stuff went down. And um, he told us, he said, you know, I think it's time for me to go ahead and I think it's um, time to teach everybody, train everybody on our team in remote viewing. Uh, that way we can look into stuff from a different perspective. And see what's really going on when we're having missing time, when we're having UFOs flying around us, when we have lights in the woods, we have orbs floating around, uh, when we have Sasquatch screaming and, and, and noises we can't figure out what they are. I mean, my, my team is con- it consists of wildlife biologists, nuclear scientists. Um, we have uh, de- people that are members of like, the Department of Defense and firefighters, and military guys, nurses. Um, people that were from pretty much the entire spectrum, you know, of, of stuff, but, but it's just interesting that like, it's, and these are professionals, which let me point out is if you're going to get any information from anyone, then it should be professionals because you cannot Mm -hmm. say that a firefighter, military or nurse people that would, um, let's just say they can't be crazy in their professions. So, I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I when I first started doing this, I worked for the state of Georgia. Actually, I was running an agency for women. And uh, and so I I did not feel the need to explain myself to a bunch of people about getting out in the woods and going bigfooting. So I would just tell the the commissioners, people I work for, I said, I'm just going camping. You know, just right. going camping. And, uh, and and back then, I mean, this was 2011. Uh, you didn't see Bigfoot stickers on all the cars and stuff. Mm. You know, it, there wasn't a show called Finding Bigfoot. There was none of right. that back then. Uh, it was it was something that sparked my interest. Um, I had gone to a meeting with my mom one night where these guys were giving a presentation, and they, my mom said, Hey, you, you really w- want to come to this? These these Bigfoot field researchers are giving a presentation. I think you're going to enjoy it. And, uh, and so I went and I started, these guys knew what they were talking about. They were like, they had the, the tracks, they, they were professional trackers. They were survivalists. Um, they had been researching Bigfoot for a long time. And they also took an unconventional approach because they were into the mind, body, spirit element of Bigfoot. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the psychic aspect of Bigfoot, mind melding, mind speak, all that kind of stuff. Uh, they experienced all that. This was back in 2011. They had been doing this for years before I met them. Okay. Wow. So I was late to the game back then. Um, but no better people to match up with if you're going to get into it would be these people because they have a yeah. wealth of knowledge. Yes. Uh, like, like I said, wildlife biologists, uh, doctors, nurses, all that kind of stuff. Um, stock traders, whatever. I mean, we have such a weird, like a crazy wild group of people. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but it was just great because like we we're all from different backgrounds, but we all teach each other different skills, whatever we know we teach. Uh, we're like the A team. Well, it's know, good to like be diverse users. because everybody brings yeah. something else to the table. You know, it, it, it if you don't have someone from every walk of life, then, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of boring. When you get someone from every walk of life, then at least yeah. on a situation that presents to you all, then you have so many different aspects of the way they look at it. So everybody can mm -hmm. think, put it together and go, now, what should we come up with? What is this? Exactly. So, yeah, I, I think that's great. Yeah, but we're all trained together as a team in remote viewing, too, which mm -hmm. is interesting. And I can get into remote viewing, too, uh, to talk about kind of what that is uh, for the audience, because they may not be familiar with remote viewing. I was viewing. just about to ask you, yeah. what is remote viewing and how do you use it in your research? Okay, well, I use remote viewing every single day of my life, okay, because um, it's all about mind control, okay, and uh, it's not me controlling other people's minds which I wish I could, that'd be kind of awesome. Right? But, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it's controlling my mind. And uh, when you're out in the field, like I know you live on a, a property that's full of activity and you know how it, it can mess with your head. Okay. It does. Yes. Like being out there, uh, being scared, uh, being put in a, a fearful position of like feeling like you're threatened and all that kind of stuff. It's hard to keep your head on your shoulders sometimes. Okay. When you're in a weird predicament out there and Learning remote viewing and all the skills. Like, I mean, we, we've trained for years and years and years in this stuff. And it's not just about like using your psychic abilities. It's about controlling your thoughts, controlling your mind, staying calm, noticing energetic shifts, noticing um, your, everything in your environment. OK, and uh, so the history of remote viewing. OK, I am no expert on anything, by the way. I just know how to do it and I love doing it. Remote viewing uh, is something that governments from all over the world use today, whether they admit it or not. OK, uh, but back during especially during the Cold War area uh, area era, <laughs> you're good. <laughs> the Cold War era. OK, um, the Russians, the Soviets were using remote viewing. Uh, they were utilizing psychic spies. OK, to spy on the enemy and stuff. And uh, and so, of course, the Americans had to do the same. Right. And, uh, and so there were programs like Project Jedi, Project Stargate, uh, all these different programs where they were utilizing remote viewers uh, to go in and uh, psychically spy on other people and stuff. And, and psychic spying is not only I guess what they use it for was like to locate targets okay and that could be like missing people caches of weapons or bombs right or i don't know it could be it could be anything i guess um remote viewing is having a blind target being assigned a target not knowing what that target is whatsoever and using your senses and your psychic abilities all your faculties okay your sensory stuff like any, any kind of like your your thoughts your smell sense your taste touch 
whatever to locate a target psychically. So the way I describe it is like a scientific way to use your psychic abilities. Um, what I like, to, what I use the most, uh, I've been trained in different modes of remote viewing. My favorite that I use is coordinate remote viewing. And, uh, and that's where I am assigned a set of numbers and that's all I get. Okay. Uh, uh, we call them coordinates and it's usually a set of eight numbers, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> that's okay. all I have. And, uh, and they're random numbers, but they are assigned a target. Okay. And the target could be anything from, uh, an event it could be an object. It could be a missing person. It could be an, uh, like a cryptid, for instance, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, what I like to do when it comes to remote viewing is like, I like to see, first of all, if I'm remote viewing like a cryptid or something paranormal, I got to see if it's real, you know, and so I have to go in there, I start digging around and, uh, and my data will, will let me know, like, if I'm looking at something that's real or not. Okay. I won't get any data if it's not real. Fascinating. <laughs> there's, I've only come, I've only had one target that I was assigned that it was just absolutely, there's nothing to it. And it was a very famous dog man story. But we won't get into that because people will get upset with me. Right. No, I, I know off, it. I'll tell you. I'll tell you off off air. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> but, um, I, that, I'd like to know that because, yeah, that's yes. why I said talking to you for me is very important because you are straight from the horse's mouth. So it hasn't gone through 50 channels. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is. It, I, I'm not going put it out there like this but it is kind of cutting edge like what what my team does uh because there's nobody else really doing that right you know especially when it comes to like big footing and and being out in the field and being able to remote view while we're in the field and before we go out we we can remote view the area that we're going to go investigate to see what kind of activity is going on there before we even get there wow dude I, this yeah. i i wish i could do something like that i really could but then does it wear you out after you do it? Oh, yeah. It's something. Totally. That, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it depends. Okay. So I can have like an easy target, right? Something that's, uh, and, and usually I've been getting assigned my targets by my friend, Barry Littleton. That's one of my best, my best buddies. Uh, he's an amazing researcher. He's got a great YouTube channel, Barry Littleton over there on YouTube. Y'all go check him out. Um, and his Patreon. He's really good. Uh, but but he I taught him how to assign me targets and coordinates. And so he he gives me these crazy targets. I never know what to expect when I get some numbers from him. Mm -hmm. uh, some of my targets were like I've looked into the Kustika. OK, like the Otter Man. I've been, heard of that one. OK. Yep. That was wild. OK, so and we and he and I do shows on these as soon as I get the targets and I, I do them. We do shows on them and it is phenomenal because all I'm given is a set of numbers. Okay. Those coordinates. And, and there's a, there is a process to remote viewing when you're doing coordinate remote viewing, mm -hmm. I get the numbers and I take a, a stack of white printer paper and my pens, I have like a stack of pens and a stack of paper and, uh, and I write out my graphs and my charts and everything. And, uh, and there, it, we have stages. It's like stage one. I usually go stage one through five. Um, in remote viewing. And so as soon as I write those numbers down, my hand starts moving down the page and I do some automatic writing and I get these idiot, we call them ideograms. And as I write those ideograms down, uh, I, I go through another step and uh, write those out. And then all of a sudden, all this information starts pouring out. Like I, it's like the wow. aperture opens and all this information, it's like I'm pulling information out of the matrix 
from every direction. I'm hearing song like people make fun of me because I'm pretty open about how I get my information. And a lot mm-hmm. of times I'll hear like rap lyrics. OK, like I found a friend's missing dog one time because I was uh, I started channeling dead prez. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Really? And it was like the the lyrics to like bigger than hip hop, that song. And it was like it said about the wolf cries. Right. And I, I just wrote down wolf cries. I wrote down some lyrics. Wolf cries. Turns out it was her missing dog whose name was Wolf. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. And, they, and you found it? Yeah. I helped them locate their dog. They found their dog. Yes. Oh, my Lord. 100%. That's amazing. That is just they, absolutely amazing. They told oh me that gosh. it was and, and but see, it's my, I actually lost my dog last week. It was like a week or two ago. My dog ran off at our farm and uh, I thought she had gone like down the road. I was I was I have a German shepherd. I was devastated. I could not find her. She got lost in the in the pasture and the grass was too. The hay was too high. Oh. And um, she. I called the first thing I did was I contacted the head of my team and he he remote viewed it for me because I was I was too uh like you were upset. too upset, right. And I, I, I kinda I could hone in where she was, but I I didn't know if she had gone outside the gate or not. And I was, you know, it, we ended up finding her eventually. She had gotten stuck on the other side of the lake and her leg was stuck in her harness so she couldn't <sighs> swim across the lake and she was panicked. So oh uh, but gosh. we ended up finding her. So it was it ended up being fine. But um, but I immediately contacted. He helped me locate the area where she was, and it and it correlated to where I thought she was. And I had tracked her too, because I'm a tracker. Uh, I've been trained in in tracking, human tracking and animal tracking. So wow. I I tracked to where I, where she was, where I thought she had gone. I saw where she went, but it looked like she had gone out of that pasture. It was just crazy, you know. Uh, but I I ultimately did find her. But uh, but yeah. So I I write down everything that I hear. Everything that I, I, I smell, I smell things sometimes. Um, I hear things. I can taste stuff, it, which is really weird. You start tasting things in your mouth, and uh, and you don't leave anything out. You write everything down. There's charts. There's somewhere to write every single sensation that you're experiencing on those charts. And after several pages of information, uh, you've got a stack of paper with a whole bunch of information, and you can pretty much look at it and tell what your target was. Oh my, dude, that is just eight numbers. I've never known about remote viewing in a way of how you described, and it mm-hmm. is absolutely fascinating. So, awesome. what have you? Can you describe a particularly interesting cryptid or alien encounter that you've researched with the help of remote viewing? Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. I've, I've remote viewed a ton of cryptids at this point. Uh, I was given a target by Barry. It was El Chupacabra. Okay? Oh, OK. I know um, that one. Of course. And it, it was just any Chupacabra. It was, cause there's several different types of Chupacabras. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was one from 1995 in Puerto Rico. Uh, there was... Uh, the word Apparently, see, I didn't know. I was just given a set of numbers. I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's another remote viewer. His name's John Vavinko. Okay, and uh, and he's very well known. Um, Barry had met him a while back, and he talked with Barry. He, Barry and he he did like an interview, and they talked about this. And he talked about how he had remote viewed these chupacabras, and they had been created in a lab. They were like chimeras or something, and they were in a lab. And there was a hurricane down in Puerto Rico, and they escaped this lab, and they were wreaking Ooh. havoc all over the island. And uh, killing goats and all that kind of stuff and sucking their blood. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so Barry, and the way they were described is they look like aliens 
they didn't look like the typical dog chupacabra. They looked like little aliens with spikes going down their backs and kangaroo legs or dog man looking legs. Okay. Um, But they had like an alien, a gray alien face. Um, So Barry wanted to see what I would come up with because these had already been remote viewed by John Vivico. Okay. And his team of remote viewers. Well, I was remote viewing this. I, when I got done with my target, Barry said, Barry, what, what was this? He's like, well, what do you think it was? And I said, well, it was definitely a dinosaur. Okay. It was definitely a dinosaur. It was definitely some kind of a cryptid chimera. It was a chimera and it had something to do with dinosaur DNA. Okay. Oh, whoa. And, uh, and he was like, whoa. He's like, I have never thought of that. He's like, I didn't even think of that. And he said, well, can you remote view it again and get deeper into it? But he didn't tell me what it was still. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sure, I can. Uh, I got the same data that, that John, that John got, John Vigo got. And, uh, and so, yeah, it was absolutely, uh, I was picking up on like a reptilian, it was like reptile, but it was also a mammal. Okay. So, and that happens sometimes when I'm remote viewing cryptids, I get like an amphibious reptile. Okay. Which doesn't make sense. Right. An amphibian and a reptile are different. That was with with the Loveland frogmen. Those were real. Right. Um, that's what I got for that with this thing. It was, and, and so, and, and then I, like I said, I didn't know what it was. And you look at pictures of this thing that were drawn out and I drew what I look, what looked like a kind of like a dinosaur looking figure, but it was a mammal and a reptile. So it, it was, they That's say that it was weird. like a, a great alien, but it had kangaroo legs. So think about that. They said, and he said it was like a marsupial. And that's right? the thing. I never heard of that. When I think of Chubacabra, I think of the reports of a dog like mm-hmm. like hyena, wolf, mm-hmm. you know, but there's been mm-hmm. a couple different descriptions of the face, you know, but yeah, the mammal and the reptile, that's what I'm not <laughs> getting. But that's a chimera. Okay, so uh, there's there's anything that I've learned through doing remote viewing is that we have a lot of government experimentation going on and I, and I can't even say government. OK, let me let me backtrack. I can't even say government. I'm going to say special agencies and stuff. I don't even know who these people are. I like to say government. It's easy to put a label on it, but um, I think there's. The, all the bigger three, than our government. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. I've always thought that that either a. There's a force over the government or B, mm-hmm. we're working with aliens and there's still a force over the government, but they're working mm-hmm. with aliens and they know all about everything. And the government is just there to kind of sweep everything under the rug a little bit, try to not bring it yes. out there. You know, I mean, of course, until the Pentagon thing dropped, you know, yeah. no one, you know, well, people had their suspicions of the government. And I think yeah. everybody was on the same page with that. But when they broke the news that they were, you know, they did spend $22 million and they were racing it. We were like, okay, well, we kind of knew that already. But um, yeah. now what, how have you personally seen a cryptid? Or experience an alien encounter yourself? And what was that time? Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. So I have experienced several different cryptids, I guess. Uh, Most notably, um, I've I've experienced Bigfoots many times. I have never had a face-to-face, up-close, personal um, meeting with a Bigfoot. Okay, like they've been around my tent. They've been in my camp. They've been all over the place. And I've seen them from... A distance but I have never seen one up close 
Okay. okay. And I've been doing this since like 2011, I guess, like in the field, uh, extensive research. Um, but, but they're there. I know they're there. I mean, I've even had something which can I say for sure it was a cloak Bigfoot? No. Okay. But, uh, there was an evening where I was walking up, I was being bait. Okay. Who's being bait. Oh, I love, I love being bait. Okay. When we're out in the field. I don't You're like, uh, but that's like mind. me. I, you know, my friends will always say I'm the one that's the first one to go. I'll go, I'll go, yeah, me too. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Me too. So I was being bait and I was walking up this, to this tree line. I had a whole bunch of dudes down at the bottom of the hill. And this is a place we call the UFO field. Okay. And it wasn't the UFO field until after this night and the, that weekend. Okay. Um, but it was just like field number one at the time. Right. And, uh, and this is up in the mountains. And uh, the guys were like, hey, why don't you go? This is the first time I had ever been out bigfooting. That was the first weekend I ever went in my entire life. Okay. And uh, and I wanted to see. I didn't care what happened to me. I wanted to see if Bigfoot was real. I mean, you know, I I just I was I was gung ho. I was like, right, let's just let's do this. Y'all put me in a weird situation. I'll do it. Um. And so I went out and I I went one team it was a bunch of dudes. They sat down at the bottom of the field and they all had their night vision cameras, their FLIRs, their thermals. And they were going to watch me to make sure, you know, if anything happened to me, at least they'd know, like, what happened to me, you know, I guess. But, um, and I felt some comfort in that. They said, hey, well, walk up. It's like 100 yards, basically like a football field, uh, up to this tree line up a hill. And uh, we had had some some activity out there, I guess, or the guys had had some activity before I got there in this field. And, uh, and so I started walking. I was like, all right. Uh, I put on my backpack and took off walking and I got about halfway up this field and I heard one of those guys running up behind me full blast like full throttle oh my gosh and I played sports in college and high school I played rugby for my college and stuff and I knew like I know what it sounds like to have somebody running up behind you to tackle you okay that's exactly what it felt like I thought I thought one of the guys was coming up to scare me and I was thinking, man, that is so unprofessional. What are these guys doing? And uh, and as it got closer to me, or he did, I thought it was one of the dudes, I kind of braced myself and I kind of stopped to be like, okay, you got me. You know what I mean? And uh, and as I, whatever it was, ran up behind me, it knocked my legs out from underneath me from behind <sighs> and it kept going. And oh it, it, just, it brushed the back of, backs of my legs and I kind of like, didn't totally lose my balance, but it kind of, I jumped up in the air a little bit because I was like, what the heck was that? And, uh, and, it, and he kept going, but there's nobody there. There's nobody. I heard it and I felt it. There's nobody there. And I looked, I immediately looked around. I didn't have a, my flashlight on. I didn't, I didn't even have a headlamp or anything. You know, we go out there, we don't really do flashlights and headlamps too much. We don't have to. Um, but there was, there was no logs. There was no sticks. There was nothing that could have tripped me up at all and I checked immediately um and so what did I do I just kept walking I kind of I was like well that was really weird but I don't want to look like a sit like a, a baby <laughs> you know what I mean so I um I kept going and eventually one of the guys did walk up behind me to check on me because they said they had seen me kind of jump up in the air mm-hmm. and they were worried that something had happened and I was like well something did happen uh now I, can I say, like I said, can I say it was a Sasquatch? No, but uh, the while we were standing there, uh, when Craig, the guy's name was Craig that came up to check on me. Uh, he was one of the founding team members of the team. We walked up to that tree line. He stood there with me. And for whatever reason, I felt called to like walk over to the corner 
And I stood there for a little while and uh, JT, one of the guys down at the bottom of the field, he was watching me and he said that a Bigfoot actually looked out from behind the tree and was staring at me and he was watching it through his thermal the entire time. Oh my God. So they saw what possibly knocked you off your feet. Yes. Yes. So, so that, so that was wild. And and I didn't know, cause I didn't have any kind of equipment with me. I was brand new. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I was just out there to experience something and uh, to have some fun, make some new friends, you know, I guess. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the next night we, we decided the next day, uh, some of us would go back up to that field that night, that next night. And um, so the guy who saw the Bigfoot through his thermal, or his, I guess it was FLIR actually, uh, he and I decided to go out there and become one with the environment like all day the next day and mm-hmm. uh, go sit up in that tree line and hope that we'd sit there for so long and kind of camouflage ourselves in and hope in hopes that like a Bigfoot would eventually walk out and step on us. Uh, we were going to have the whole team come out around nine o'clock that night. We got out there at like three in the afternoon. It's like one or th- I think it was three. Mm-hmm. In the afternoon, the team came out around nine. So we had been sitting out there for what six hours wow. when they finally came out, and uh, and they were going to be all loud and like distracting. Yeah, and so he he and I were just going to sit there in hopes that we were going to blend in to where the Bigfoot couldn't see us, and they just come and walk and step on top of us, trying to look at our teammates out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but those big now that I know those Bigfoots knew we were out there. We weren't hiding from them. And I so. want to ask you a question since you are someone that has a lot of information and you've done field research with Bigfoot. My thing that I have an issue with is so many people some researchers they're not taking into account that they could be two of one thing they're saying oh well they couldn't possibly do this because they're they're an animal or or they couldn't possibly do this because they're supernatural like they couldn't do physical things why can't bigfoot be both why can't he be flesh and blood but he can teleport he can um, he has supernatural abilities. That's why he stays mm-hmm. elusive that, mm-hmm. you know, when some people have um, eyewitness accounts have said, when I saw the Bigfoot, it literally disintegrated into nothing. Poof, went away. Yeah. What's your thoughts about that? Yeah, they're they're absolutely both 100 percent. They're supernatural and flesh and blood and flesh and Thank bone. You. Thank um, you. I think I believe they're so. A lot of them are so ancient here on this earth. They they know how to utilize Earth's natural portals. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, now I don't think that all of them are on the same level psychically as some are. Like some are very basic. Some are uh, constantly looking for food. Okay. Right. And they are just very animalistic types. Okay. And I don't want to say like animalistic, like, because I think that they are a, a peoples. Okay. I think that they're like, I think that they're like a tribe of people, basically. They're just hairy people, humans. Right. Uh, in my opinion, uh, I don't know for positive, but I think that they are more human than they are animal, uh, for sure. Uh, some of them are highly intelligent. Okay. Uh, some of them perhaps probably have like some kind of alien DNA. Uh, I think that they live in, some of them live in the trees. Some of them live underground. I mean, some utilize portals. I think that some, I think they're all different. It's almost like humans. Like we're all different. Right. Um, we're all different races and religions and uh, we all have some of us have enhanced human capabilities that we utilize and others of us don't. Right. You know? And that's what uh, I feel about Bigfoot is that it's, it's flesh and blood, but it's been here for so long. It's been here before us. So yeah. it knows 
where, like you said, the portals, the vortexes to go in and out. It knows how to stay elusive because it's not just physical and flesh and blood. It has abilities just like you have abilities with remote viewing. It has abilities probably to do that as well because, I mean, everyone says that it's quite intelligent. Yeah, a lot of them are. Now, I don't think they're all super duper intelligent. You know, Um, I'm not I don't think that but um but i don't know that for sure too i just know that some of the the ones that we've remote viewed were working in conjunction with ets and stuff and they were their job their only job was to go hit a button on a a device so they could go eat (laughs) okay so um wow yeah i just i just think there's all sorts of different levels just like there's different levels of humans (laughs) Right. No, I agree with you 100 percent. Now, what have you come across is the most credible evidence that you have seen or heard of or talked about as far as Sasquatch? Sasquatch. Uh, I mean, every time we go out, we have just about just every time we go out, we have activity with Sasquatch. Um, And I get I get all sorts of evidence from all of my team and all my guests and stuff that I've seen. I don't know. It's just. Do you mean like footprints and well, yeah, vocalizations like, I mean, well, and, and tree structures and all that? Well, that's I guess that's what I'm asking is, you know, when you watch a documentary, mm-hmm. the skeptics with a tree structure. Oh, yes. it's just the trees fell down. It's natural. Yeah. But I mean, it could come be. on. when there's okay. things that are like, can you describe how you and your time of doing this how you've come to know what's a difference between real and natural yes absolutely well see here's the thing we're all trained in survivalist skills right and uh and we're trained in um all all sorts of anything that you do out in the woods we're pretty much trained in it okay so um tracking especially and uh you can never underestimate the power of a drunk camper and uh, (laughs) a bunch of bored boy scouts okay Uh, and so a lot of people that send me, like, I don't entertain evidence pictures that people bring. Like, I, first of all, like, I'm very selective about who I bring on my shows um, and the evidence that I show on my shows. Okay. And I'm not being a snob or whatever, but I'm just a researcher. And I, and I, I only put like the good stuff out there. Okay. Good Things that you. I see. Now, if I, if I see it with my own eyes or if I feel it, if I resonate with the evidence, we'll show it. Okay, we'll show it. We'll, we'll because, I, you know, I don't ever discount anybody's experience at all because I know that we all have our own experiences. But I also know how to make a debris hut. Okay, I know how to make a debris hut. I know how you can bend trees. Um, I, I, there's a whole lot of stuff that is human made. Okay, mm-hmm. human done. Um, and, and when you're out there, you want to find Bigfoot. Everything's going to be Bigfoot. Okay, and so you have to be like, oh, you got to you got to take a step back sometimes, oh, uh, especially yeah, people who are yeah. just getting into it or people who haven't been in it for a long time or like don't really know what they're looking for. Everything's going to be Bigfoot. Okay, so you just have to be you have to use your discernment. That's all. I've just been doing this for a while and I'm around some of the best in the Bigfooting field. And uh, and so I've been taught by the best and uh, and I know how to use my discernment. I'd get made fun of if I didn't. <laughs> so, well, I, you know, I have a like lot of I people I have to said, answer good to. Good for you. Good for you yeah. for only bringing the most credible that you feel in your heart is mm-hmm. credible evidence because we don't need any more stories. I don't, I don't have circles with those. the red circles, the Pradoya right. stuff. We don't, we don't entertain that at the Cryptid Hunters channel. Good, good. Yeah. Because yes. And even though, even, even though, if, 
and people people have their um, experiences, and I do not underestimate that, and I don't discount it at all. But when it comes to like the evidence, when you're asking about evidence, like the, the circles with a story behind it, if I don't see it, then I just don't show it. It doesn't mean it didn't happen though. Right. You're not you know? telling anyone that, that, no, they didn't have the experience. Exactly. You're just, hey, my job is to look it over, yes. tell you what I think. And if you, you know, if you don't like the answer, I'm sorry, but I yeah. thought you came to me for answers, not for someone yeah. just to say yes and fall into. We all want to see something, yeah. but we have to start not creating any more stories. We have enough of those. We have yes. enough stories. Now, how do you, yeah. how do you balance skepticism and open-mindedness in your research? Well, first of all, I just don't care what people think when it comes to my research and stuff. And that's why I didn't go public for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I waited 10 years and I still didn't mean to go public. I was kind of thrusted out there, you know, unwittingly, um, yeah, I'm, I kind of, I'm not going to say I made the mistake because it was the best thing I ever did, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I went up to go meet one of my girlfriends. It, uh, it, uh, she was volunteering at Camp Disclosure in North oh, Georgia. okay. And she, she drove down from North Carolina, and she was like, you got to come see me. You're in Georgia. Come hang out with me. We got a cabin for the weekend. So I went, and, uh, and I was with a whole bunch of, like, it was like a starseed reunion or something like you know galactic star seeds and i thought i was kind of cool and uh and so i just went and uh and one of the guys we're out on a hike and one of the guys was asking me about my my bigfoot research and i was telling him about it he's like man that sounds like a lot like that skinwalker ranch of the south and i was like oh you know about that do you read the book he goes yeah i heard it on coast to coast i was like well you know who jessica j is in that book right he goes oh my god is that you (laughs) he was fangirling yeah, well, he didn't know. I didn't, you know, I, I was I was shocked, too. I was like, this guy read this book. Uh, and so the lady who was throwing the conference heard about that. And she was like, oh, Jessica, please, we speak at this conference. And I was like, I guess so. If Amanda's going to be there, I'll go, you know, my friend. But if you don't mind so, me saying so, Jessica, now maybe mm-hmm. you know a lot of female researchers and, and, and mm-hmm. I haven't come across them. But yeah. I feel that there needs to be more women in this in this uh, fascinating world of going out and field researching. I think there's, there's just so many men now, granted, like I said, you might know more than I do, but I, you're the only one that I know that is a woman that's credible, that has made, um, her passion to help us all be able to see through the fog on what can be believable and, and what's not. So, again, I'm loving that you're here with me right now because I'm, you know, to pick your brain is, um, well, this is you. a special treat. But, um, well, okay. I'm glad to be here, too. And, and I do have females on my team. Uh, my friend Kristen, Kristen Payton, she's been on my show a couple times and on Space Out Radio, too. By the way, I didn't mention I, I am a host at uh, Space Out Radio, and I have my own channel. So we'll talk about that at the end, I guess. Of course. <laughs> I of forgot course. to mention all that. But uh, oh, but no, Kristen, no, Kristen is on my team, and uh, and, and she's, she's the one that actually filmed the portal incident. Uh, now, she's on my team, and then on my other teams, I have I have a – two or three uh, women on that team as well, but it is majority male. It is. Um, it is, it is good to have women on the teams because it's really good at being bait. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that, <laughs> no, no, it's actually, just, it's just though, fun. You're, you're right though, because women pheromones, you know, I mean, yes. we think mostly 
Sasquatch is male. We know that there are some reports of female and they have juveniles and all of that. But again, I do think that more females need to get out because it's male dominated. And, you know, we have a lot to offer, too, with our. Um, you know, we can bring a, a different perspective, I would, yeah. I think. Well, it, it's that frequency, you know, and it's that, it's like that divine feminine energy out there, exactly. you know, it's very calming and it does, uh, it does attract a lot of activity. And, and as far as like the psychic thing goes, like my entire team is trained in remote viewing, but uh, there are no coincidences in this world, I don't think. No. And, um, and, and our team was brought together because I, I, Perhaps we've done this many lifetimes together. I don't know. There's no telling. Uh, I have my suspicions, you know, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but I, for whatever reason, we're all different, but we're all very similar in a lot of Things ways. Things happen and, for uh, a reason. And I think you mm-hmm. have your team because they were meant to be yeah. your team. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Yeah. And we're, we're, we all have these experiences. And, and uh, you know, I was asked to speak at that conference and it set me on a trajectory like I never thought I'd be on. And I'm right here talking with you right now. And I've got shows where I talk about Bigfoots and Dogman every every other day, <laughs> pretty much. And uh, and I'm, I'm really loving it. Um, it's part of my spiritual journey uh, that I have embarked on. And um, it's been uh, yeah, it's been a wild ride. But, well, uh, I have but a question that here. what what you just said, how, how do I want, how do I want to word this? Um, how do you think that the study of cryptids and paranormal phenomena can help us better understand ourselves and our place in this I think- universe? I think that uh, anytime someone has a experience with the paranormal, the supernatural or a cryptid, all of it, uh, it raises your consciousness and your awareness. Uh, it, your vibrational frequency changes. And I like to say that we are changing the world one Bigfoot experience at a time. <laughs> OK, right. Um, I do believe that it it changes your entire reality. It busts us out of this 3D matrix reality that we're living in, that we've been taught to be a part of, uh, like our own little gel cells, mm-hmm. you know, that we're stuck in uh, with all of the, the fluoride we're drinking pumped into us and all the bad foods that aren't really foods and the education systems and whatever, whatever it is that's been put into place, the system that we live in to keep us trapped and to keep us thinking small, living small, being small, um, and to stop us from being on a spiritual journey and to awaken. And uh, I, for whatever reason, I've been called to do this to perhaps potentially help awaken humanity or just help people with my story. Um, you know, I've, I've I've got a wild story. You know, we've only scratched Me the too. surface with the things that I've I've experienced in my life and uh, with the cryptids. Uh, it's been a big part of my life. But uh, but but th- this experience has really set me on a whole different trajectory in life. And uh, and I'm able to raise my awareness and my consciousness. And in effect, I'm helping other people do the same. I think you've found your path. I, I definitely yeah. you fit into this very nicely, Jessica. I think that Thank you. you bring also where you've made me with, you know, when I started reaching you researching you a few months ago just following your post following you on your on your youtube shows 
I sense some kind of connection where I was like, this is who I am right here. And there, I don't, I don't jive with many because I'm one that's more of, I look at it in a more spiritual way. I look at it in a more deep way where, you know, we are not just the best that this universe can make, because if so, it, they, it did a horrible job. There oh, no. are, you know, well, what, you know, with, you know, with crime I, I and agree. murders and this, you know, you know what I'm, that's what I'm trying to say is that, you know, when people say, oh no, aliens, come on, you're, you know, no, that's just, that can't happen. So, so you think we're the best that the universe can make. Come on now. There's got to be other worlds, other humanoids. There's so other, many more. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and, I think that some people have, I think that we, I believe in reincarnation and, yes. uh, and I believe that from what I've been told, from what I've, my research has carried me to at this point, I do believe that this is like a place, earth is a place where we come and learn. We're taught lessons. Like it's a really hard place to be. Right. Um, and it's like humanity needs to be woken up right now from whatever kind of sleep it's in. I think the earth's vibration is changing and it's time for us to change our vibration to help assist the planet to elevate and uh, yes, to, to raise the consciousness that. and the vibration and the freedom, all that stuff. And I've done that. I did that recently, <laughs> like about um, probably a year ago, I taught myself to heighten my vibrations. I actually use yeah. a pendulum a lot. And Me you too. know, for the first month I could not move that pendulum. I couldn't move it. So I, I meditated every day. I, I thought on it. I slept with it to bond even mm-hmm. with it. And within a month, I mean, my pendulum goes like horizontal. It spins like right in front of my face. You know, I can, you know, I wanted to find something, a part of me mm-hmm. that I could put into something and then it gives yeah. something back to me. So, um, but how do you think that technology has impacted the study of cryptids and paranormal phenomena? What's your oh, take that's on a- that? That's interesting. Okay, because there's two sides to that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that it, it helps in a lot of ways. I think it's, uh, you know, just having night vision cameras and thermals and flares and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we wouldn't have been able to pick up that portal incident that happened, the, the cube incident in the in the meadow, had we not had that equipment. Okay, now I'm the type of researcher that goes out. I don't like carrying anything with me. I just take myself, uh, my you know, my vibration, my frequency, and I walk out there and I go out for the experience. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I take equipment. I mean, I have a, a box full of like ghost hunting equipment and stuff, but we use the same equipment, Bigfooting, as we do ghost hunting. Right. Okay. Of that course. kind of stuff. Yeah. Some of the same stuff. We have other things too, like Geiger meters, Geiger counters, like, because we usually have like radiation spikes and stuff and we have like paranormal stuff going on. We like to check for that. Um, but yeah, it's kind of the same stuff, like REM pods and EVP recorders and um, I don't know. Because whatever. everybody's made up of stuff. an electrical, you yeah, know, a vibration. So it's it's all about frequencies and stuff. So those K2 meters are going to go off, you know, when we're having any kind of activity out there sometimes. But uh, but I, uh, you know, I I started off ghost hunting, which a lot of people do, and yep. uh, and that's a good place to start. Um. But I don't, I, I don't, it, it's just a lot of stuff to take out there. You don't need all that stuff when you are uh, aware of your psychic abilities and stuff and you mm-hmm. can feel the energy and you can, tr- and you trust yourself enough 
to feel the energetic shifts and things like that. You know, you don't need the equipment at that point. Like I'm not out there to prove like this is me. Okay. I know that I'm public now talking about my research, but I never meant to be public about it. But you're so not, I'm not out, out to prove, to prove it. it to us. You're out to no, prove it. I'm not to out yourself. there to prove it. I'm I'm out there to prove it to myself. I never have been out to prove it to anyone but me. Good. And uh, and I'll tell my story, but I'm not out here to prove to anybody. Like you want you want to see me like showing all my evidence, all my pictures, all the stuff because I don't I don't really go out there and, and do it for that reason. Right. Good uh, for now, you. but I, I have people on my teams that do, and I bring them on my shows. And uh, and so their research is my research as well. You know, because we're mm-hmm. we're a team, and we go we just all had we do we do different things. We experience things differently. Um, and so I, I, listen, I got some great stories, you know, and uh, we've had some weird experiences out there, um, but I'm not out there um, to prove to people stuff. Can so. you tell us a little bit? Can you tell my listeners a little bit about that portal incident? Yeah, totally. Yeah. OK, so we, we've researched an area we call it the meadow. Uh, it's part of that book I was telling you all about that uh, Trey Hudson wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call it the Skinwalker Ranch of the South, kind of. I mean, it's, it's we, we, like as a team, we don't call it that. We just call it the meadow. Right. <laughs> okay. um, but it, it is. It's like an, um, you have to hike in there. It's in the middle of the woods, undisclosed location in the south. Uh, you have to hike in a pretty good ways uh, t- through some dense woods to get to an open field. And we call this the meadow. Uh it's several acres of land, okay, like where the meadow is. And there was one evening the team had hiked out into the meadow. Um, we disperse into smaller teams usually. Like we go out as a team and we disperse into small, like three-man teams or two-man teams or whatever. And everybody went around the different sides of the meadow. Now, I got to give full disclosure. I had left that afternoon because I had a, my son was like three years old at the time. Okay. This was about five years ago. Um, I left. To go take care of my son. I'd been there before, you know, the the other part of the week with my team. I go home. I have orbs floating around my house with my son and his dad, who my ex-husband, who I was married to at the time. He had his camera phone out filming my son being cute on my elliptical machine. And all of a sudden, these orbs started floating around my son's head. This is the same night that my team was out there where I had just left the meadow. And okay. uh, the team is experiencing a portal. Okay, the same, almost the exact same time, too. I'm having orbs in my home floating wow. around my son, and we have that on film. Yeah. Um, so they're out there. They go out to the meadow. Uh, they disperse into different sets of teams all over the meadow, and they're just out there observing. We're, we're listening for Bigfoot. We're, the last time I was out there, we heard a, a gigantic knock, like, in the meadow, Um I had something run up behind me and grab my butt one night. Okay. Like we have really, why do they always do that? I don't know. I I don't even know if it was a big foot. (laughs) I don't know. I was sitting in my chair and something uh, goosed my butt cheek one night. So I don't know what that was. Uh, Could have been a ghost. Who knows? Mm. But um, yeah. uh, So they're all sitting out there. There's a a team. One of the teams was uh, my friend Dave Pardue and Terry Wendell. Uh, with Rock Hill Bigfoot and North Carolina Cryptid Research, and uh, and Kristen, my friend, one uh, one of the females on the team, no, the only other female on this team, and they're sitting there, and Dave notices uh, something in his thermal imaging camera, and it's it's just an anomaly, and he he's trying to make out what this thing is. Now it looks like a big square that starts showing up, and it's just a heat signature, 
in the middle of the field and there's nothing there. There's no uh, trees right there where this is forming. Um, there were people over on the other side of the meadow. Um, he just knew there was something wrong and he was like, okay. And it started getting brighter and it was like, it started forming into like a cube. Okay. A, a large cube, like the size of like a shed that you put behind your house, okay. you know, like a shed, like a, a man cave kind of thing or right. a she shed or something. Mm-hmm. It's like, a, 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 it's pretty big. And, uh, and he, he had Terry look into his camera and was like, do you see what I'm seeing? And Terry was looking and he was like, yeah, there's like a cube forming. And look, it had windows or like crosses, like X's in it and stuff. It was just really weird. It was like wow. a, it looked like a, almost like a man-made object, but you couldn't see it with your naked eye. Um, but when they looked through the thermal, they could see it. So they dispatched a, a, one of the teams from across the field to go walk over and check it out. Okay, so I think there were three of them walked over there. Two of the men are former military, um, retired. Uh, Tim of Special Forces Army, Bob's uh, retired Navy search and rescue guy. Both of them are highly tra- trained, highly skilled. Both are trained in remote viewing. Um, smart good dudes. Okay, very smart. Tim was a scientist. Okay. Um, okay, so they walk over to where this cube is. They're guided over to it because they can't see it, but they're guided over to where it is. As they walk over to it, their heat signatures disappear. Okay. And uh, and this is an open field. There's no reason on earth for those heat signatures to disappear. You can still see Lee, one of the guys uh, behind it. He he didn't go walk over up to it. He was kind of with them, but like stood in the background. But as the two other gentlemen walked up to it, it's almost like they walked in. And let me tell you how they described it. They said that it was like they had walked into a black velvet curtain and the temperature changed. The vegetation on the ground changed from uh, muddy and like thick and, and um, like grass, like grassy, thick to smooth. OK, smooth ground like like there was no there were no briars, no brush, no nothing. And they oh said goodness. they could not see the stars anymore in the sky. So they the the entire environment changed oh and uh, and they both they said they stood there for a minute and then they were like, all right, something's wrong. I don't know what we've done. I think they even lost radio contact for a minute because we all carry uh, our CB radios uh, so we can keep in touch with base camp while we're out in the field. And uh, and we can communicate with each other. We each team has our we all have our CBs. OK, our Bay of Funks. And um I think they lost contact for a second or two. Now, and, uh, real quick, just uh, why we're why you're saying that? Did they hear anything on the other end? Those uh, like who was listening? Did they hear? Was it silence mm-hmm. or did they hear a fuzz or a noise or anything like that? No, it wasn't like white noise or like when, like a movie that you'd watch or anything like that. It was just it was it, it happened kind of quickly. Okay. Uh, I do think that from what I remember, they did lose radio contact briefly. Uh, but they didn't stay in long enough. Thank goodness they didn't stay in long enough for anything bad to happen. They walked, they backed out. They didn't know they were inside anything because they couldn't even see this thing. It, they were just standing in a field. Okay. Um, but watching the thermal, I mean, I've, the video is pretty interesting. Okay. So that you can see them because Kristen had the wherewithal to turn her camera on and start filming it with her flare. Oh my so God. you can so she's the one that actually caught the video of it of the whole entire encounter of the incident. Um, so when they came out of it, their heat signatures reappeared and the cube shrunk down 
to a smaller size and then it moved and then it disappeared. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, had they stayed in it for a few more seconds, they might've disappeared with it. We don't know. And was there any after effects from those two? Yeah. Bad, bad ones. Uh, There's, there's usually radiation spike uh, when we have paranormal stuff happening and, um, Bob got an aggressive form of cancer. Now, I'm not saying this is why he got it. I'm not. Right. Um, of course. Of course. And Tim got a bad heart condition and he did not get it diagnosed in time. Uh, he didn't know what was wrong and he ended up dying. He passed away. Um, but he was young. He was in his 50s. He was very young, actually. Um, and Bob is still battling, trying to get better from what happened to him. But that happened right after, soon after. Yeah. So um, the stuff that we do is not safe. Okay, it can be very dangerous. Any any kind of this this research, especially when we're dealing with portals and um, aliens, UFOs and things like that. It's it's not all sunshine and rainbows out there. Um, So, yeah, speaking of aliens and stuff, you know, when I first started uh, doing this research. um, The head of my team, we had we had this experience where we had a possible like missing time. We definitely missing time. Possible abduction experience. We didn't know what had happened with some UFOs out in the field doing Bigfoot research. Uh, the head of my team suggested we started researching um, alien abductions mm-hmm. and reading books like Communion and The Threat and um, Secret Life. And Communion books like that. is yeah. a very good book. It is. So he, he recommended we started reading those books. And so I've got like my whole collection my collection got out of control because I went on Amazon. They kept suggesting other books. So I, I like bought like 20 books. I do the same thing. I yeah. do the same thing. So but I started reading it and lo and behold, I woke up one night and I had grays in my bedroom. So and what? I had two experiences with aliens in my house when that started happening. OK, OK. Yeah. So tell me. Tell me what you saw, Jessica. Tell me what you saw. Okay, so the first time it happened, I had, I believe it was the first time, it's been, it's been a few years since this happened, um, but there were, and I, and I can still remember what they looked like and everything, and it's really interesting because I fell asleep right after I realized what I was looking at both times, um, but yeah, I just woke up, uh, I, I don't know if I manifested, like I'm really big into like manifesting, and um, Me now too. did I manifest it, or had they always been there? And I finally was on that frequency to be able to see it because I was studying it and I was aware of it. You know, that, that's okay. my question. Um, it's a good question. I woke up and there were two little like people standing in my doorway, but they were short and they were bald. They were like the typical grays and they were just standing there looking at me and, uh, and I, I fell back asleep. And so I don't know. It's like I saw them and I was like, uh, a lot of times when I see stuff that's weird like that, I'm just like, oh, whatever. I just go back to sleep. Like, what's that <laughs> okay. It's either I go to sleep, but I feel like they they have a, an ability to put you to sleep. There's some sort of hypnotic trance that they put us in, I think. I was just going to ask you that. Do you think that you fell asleep because you were tired or did you fall no. asleep because you think they had something to do with that? Yes, they did. I think they did. Uh, the second time it happened was not too far after that. I woke up to a hooded figure standing by my bed. It looked like the Grim Reaper, uh, oh but it had hands. Lord. It had hands that were sticking in, like in front of it, like a praying mantis, and it was moving weird. It wasn't moving like a human. 
now moving oddly on that subject right there there are many people that think they believe in demons and think that aliens are somewhat that not aliens but one of the 200 fallen angels that fell to earth and are creating havoc what are your thoughts on that oh man that's something we've been talking about a lot lately on my channels my shows um that's I don't know for sure like I, being a remote viewer we don't label things I don't I don't like labeling anything actually right, right. Uh, because I don't know for sure um but I do a lot I do know a lot of people do think that they are demons and I am I gotta say I never thought that before but now I'm kind of leaning that way where it could be that isn't could that be. interesting because I've watched a yeah. couple paranormal investigations where number one the paranormal investigation was the the people went there because it was an alien report from the homeowners. Yeah. And the weird thing is when you watch a paranormal investigation and then you watch an, an alien slash paranormal because they're trying to just, you know, distinct the two. They almost have the same. The orbs. The little black shadows mm-hmm. that run across the floor. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you just always wonder. But then again, we cannot be alone in the universe, you, yeah. you know. Well, here's here's another kicker for you. I wonder now, like, are aliens even from outer space? Are they from inner Earth? Like, interdimensional? <sighs> My husband and, thinks that. And uh, I question that now. I really I question everything, of course, but um, but I have to wonder. Um, one of the most controversial shows that I've done in a long time, and I do a lot of controversial stuff, a lot of shows, uh, was the we talked about inner Earth and um, the ice wall and and a possible Ooh. flat Earth theory. Yep. Okay. And uh, and some people say that outer space is actually just beyond the ice wall. And uh, and good lord, that's divisive. Farah, I tell you what, that's uh, I've never had so much discussion and arguments on my Instagram page and stuff. Well, I, just I let believe... people go at it. I just I didn't take it down. I was like, oh, y'all fight amongst yourselves. Hey, you, uh, it's great to I'm have. I'm just discussion. putting it out there. Yeah, but I'm remember, just it, but people get mad about it. Admiral Byrd, you yeah. can't you can't go against what he said. He said that when right in Antarctica, there is a whole nother thing down down there. There's a whole nother Earth, or you know, area. So, I mean, you know, he's a, a Navy special officer. I mean, he was an admiral, for God's sake. He wasn't crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, and he documented that in his notes, what he saw, what he meant. So, I definitely believe that there's um, an inner earth. I, I Oh, totally yeah, there absolutely is. There's totally inner earth, for sure. Um yeah, I I come I stumble across inner earth the entrances to inner earth and some of my remote viewing data and a lot of these targets that I do have inner earth connections like mm-hmm. let's say like the giant of Kandahar okay mm-hmm. let's say uh, the Phantom Island of High Brazil that's from inner earth okay um, maybe that's dia- what's um, yeah. uh, what's um, Atlantis maybe that's what Atlantis yeah. is. Could be. Um, also, I had a connection with Inner Earth with the Dyatlov Pass incident. If you're familiar with that, with the yes. nine Russian hikers. I'm actually I doing think, an episode on that in a couple okay, weeks. Okay, well, I I did a remote viewing. I did four or five remote viewing targets on that, actually. Um, where I, I got, that was the first remote viewing show I ever did, actually, publicly. 
was oh, uh, wow. on Dietla Pass. I'll send you a link, okay? <laughs> when, yes, please um, do. What'd you come up with in that? Uh, they, okay, it was those, those hikers had been, they got off course, okay? They were supposed to check into some kind of checkpoint, and uh, they had gone to into the Ural Mountains in Russia, and they were doing like a, a hike for fun, I guess. And uh, they they were supposed to check in at some point. They never checked in, okay. And uh, okay. and so they a search team was sent out to go look for them. Uh, their bodies were found. They they were all killed, okay. Yeah. And uh. And who rips was, out tongues? <laughs> well, it was it was not ripped out. It was removed. Right. Okay. Which is ripped out too. But, but, uh, well, here's the thing about remote viewing. We get to do deep mind probes and talk to these people. Okay. Psychically. And I got, I got to talk to all of them. I talked to her actually. Um, so I, uh, yes. So, so the, the story behind it goes that it was suspected that the Russian, the, the meek, the Russian Yeti had attacked them and killed them or or they, they got scared out of their tent by the Russian Yeti. It's called the mink and they ran and they all died of hypothermia. Okay. That was the story. Yes. There was actually a picture on one of the cameras that had been found that had a picture of what looked like a Russian Yeti. I think it was a man in a snowsuit, personally. That's my opinion on it. Um, But not to say that they weren't potentially stalked out by a Russian Yeti. That's totally possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think there was also, I know for a fact, through my data, according to my data, I'm not saying it's my fact. I'm saying it's the data. Um, It was a... They had wandered off into an area they weren't supposed to be in. It was patrolled by the Russian government, the military, and uh, they they got off course. And uh, what they each told me was that something came from the sky. It looked like uh, lights uh, on with umbrellas attached to them falling from the sky, and it scared them. They all took off running. They were chased down. It was basically the the, the military. Um, chased them out of there they all pretty much died like the first two groups of people that were found they died of hypothermia and exposure uh then like two or three months later the last four were found right i remember and, that uh, there were three or four of them and yeah there are two uh, the the groups were two bodies of two men and then like two women and a man and then there was like one woman and three men i think at the very end and the last four that were found i believe they they had injuries that consisted of being dropped from somewhere very high, like a car accident. They're, they had um, compound fractures in their chest and stuff like that. It was just really weird. Like somebody, they had been hit really hard with something or they had been dropped from the sky and they had mutilations. They were mutilated like cattle mutilations right? Uh, on their human bodies. Well, this is interesting because I, I had picked up that there was ET involvement. I picked up uh, military and ET involvement. OK, and uh, and I got in the lady's head whose tongue had been removed, like her her eyelids were cut off or lips yep. or something like her. Her face was mutilated, just like cattle basically gets mutilated by ETs now or whatever's doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked her what happened. She said that they well, they all told me the same thing. They had all trespassed. They had gotten off course um, and they were pretty much chased down. She said that she was attacked by soulless beings. Is what she told me. Soulless um, beings. Soulless beings. Yes. Now, I was picking up on words like commandant and I don't know, ranks of, I got people's names that were involved. 
they're like Russian names and stuff. I don't know. I, I, my data was wild. So um, in all in all, Jessica, do you feel it is some type of cover up? Yeah, it was 100 percent a cover up. Most of these things that I look into are cover ups. Yeah. Government cover ups, basically. What yeah. do you think is the reason for that, though? What I mean, is it because, because they think we can't handle yeah, the truth? Is see. it that simple? Part partially. Yeah. Uh, our history is we've been lied to. Our history is not what we've been taught. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and and that's a dangerous thing about remote viewers is that we can see the truth behind things that other people want to hide and keep hidden. So, yeah, it's um, it was definitely a government cover up. And uh, I, I wonder that all the time. Like, why don't they just tell us the truth? That's, well, it would change the course of history of everything when people, more people would wake up and we'd revolt against the people in charge. I'm just ready. I'm ready for it. <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's no well, I'm reason. I, I'm trying to help out. I'm doing it with a smile on my face and my Southern charm here. Right. But, uh, but we're, we're working on it. You know, we're, we're trying to expose the truth here about stuff. Now what's, um, what would you say to someone that wants to start getting into this for the right reasons. What what should be their course of action? Who um, is there a, um, a, a course they can go to? Is there a place they can go to to learn how to study or how to look at things? Or what would you what would you say to that, Jessica? Yeah, well, as far as like remote viewing goes, that kind of stuff, um, I I did not even know what remote viewing was when I was taught it. I'd never heard of it before, mm-hmm. um, and so I didn't know what it was. I was I was taught it. Um, since then, now that I've been doing it for so long, um, you know, part of my training was doing the Monroe Gateway program. The Gateway program is what we call it, uh, with like the Hemi Sync, and you, you hear about the binaural beats and all that kind of stuff. Uh, just learning psychic skills, okay, opening up your uh, psychic abilities, uh, becoming aware of them. And uh, there are programs all over, like online that you can take to learn remote viewing and uh, to practice it. Now, I recommend, highly recommend doing it one-on-one with somebody um, or like going somewhere like the Monroe Institute to learn or um, the Silva, Silva Mind Control. Look that up online. Okay. Silva Mind Control. Okay. Silva Mind Control. That's a good one. We've actually done, we had a, one of the instructors come out and, and work with us um, to help teach us in addition to the head of my team and other people that, you know, did a lot of the training with us. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend that. Um, there are people such as my friend, Tony Rodriguez. He's part of the, he, he's one of the people that speaks out about the secret space program. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony has a, a group of remote viewers that people that want to learn remote viewing. And uh, I, I send him blind targets sometimes for them to do. And uh I'll be working with him in the future uh, on, on doing some of this, but he has a great a group. Uh, just look up Tony Rodriguez and remote viewing. Um, he, he told me that he was actually taught remote viewing in the secret space program when he was gone. So, um, Oh, wow. It's interesting. Yeah, we, it's, it's really cool. I'm actually going to be hanging out with him next week at the journey to truth conference. So Ooh, yeah, okay. we're both presenting there together. Not together. That but we're going to be there together. It's up in uh, Grafton, Illinois. Grafton, Illinois. Okay. Yeah, it's coming up. Um, yeah, the end of May. Let me ask you two quick questions on an alien topic. Okay. Always have to think of how I want to word this. So when we listen to a lot of alien stories, it's always something about 
losing time. What do you think that that is from? What do you, th- how does that play a part in an alien abduction or an alien sighting? Yeah. Like, what do you it, think the link is with that? It happens all the time. Well, see, time is an illusion. Only humans uh, adhere to time. Okay. So, but, um, yeah, it's, they're able to do time edits and st- things like that, just like with the secret space program. Okay. With, with Tony, for instance, uh, he, he says that he was taken. I don't know. I don't know his whole story perfectly, but I do know the gist of it. I believe he was taken at some point and, uh, he was gone for 20 years. Is uh, that, I've heard that, you know, that guy. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Tony. (laughs) I know. I know. Okay. I know what story I'm sorry. So he was taken for 20 years and then he was brought back like nothing happened. Okay, and he was gone for 20 years as basically used as a slave to make to create stars and work on planets and transport aliens and all sorts of crazy, just wild stuff. It's amazing. I can't wait to actually hang out with him next week. <laughs> I would be. That would be a pleasure. Yeah. Awesome. It's yeah. Now, I but they're able to that. do that. I heard mm-hmm. maybe he's not the right one I'm thinking of. I heard a story where there was a guy that he was 17 years old when he was taken and he had to sign a contract that he was working for like the galactic federation that he, for us, that there was a war between us Mm -hmm. and aliens. And then, yeah, he came back his body 17 years old, but yeah, I hear those all the time. I don't know if that same guy, there's there's a, no, there's a lot, there's a lot of people who have memories of that. There's more that, Oh, yeah. Uh, some of these targets that Barry Littleton has me remote view uh, are off planet. OK, like the Trappist one star system. I, I I just had a set of numbers, you know, so you can't really dispute like this data that I'm getting. It correlates with like what other people have said about Trappist one star system. I was picking up on uh, I was actually sucked through a wormhole while I was remote viewing and I ended up on a planet that I thought was Earth in the future. But there was. Total slavery going on there, though. It was like human slaves and ET slaves and all this stuff. But it looked like big cities there, but they were like futuristic cities in on Earth. And we were slaves? Oh, my God. Humans. Well, humanoids. Yeah. People. I don't I can't say it was all Oof. people from Earth because uh, it was on another star system. It's like dwarf planets, actually. It's in our solar system. I think like Make Make and um, Sedna and Hymea, I think are the three planets that you have in remote view. It's crazy, super crazy. Uh, but yeah, there, there were, there was slavery going on there, but it was just like Earth, but in the future. Mm. When I was reviewing it, that's yeah. scary. That's scary. Yeah. So there were shopping centers there. It was like there was like TJ Maxx and stuff. Okay, he <laughs> could go like, to TJ Maxx <laughs> and get some clearance. I mean, no, they, they had like malls and stuff. I mean, that's why I was so it was so confusing when you told me that wasn't Earth because I was like, oh, it was Earth in the future. Because Barry always asked me when I get done with him, he's like, well, what do you think that was? I was like, well, I think it was probably Earth in the future. He was like, no, what? He was like, it was not Earth. Oh my gosh. It, but it's a planet strange. though. I was I was 100% on target. Yeah. Wow, um, Jessica, you are an amazing yeah. person. My goodness. Thank you. What, I just have fun. I don't know what I'm now, doing here. <laughs> when you think about the Eisenhower, mm-hmm. where he supposedly made a deal yeah. that for technology, they can come and experiment on, on us whenever they want. Do you think they are doing that? Yeah, that, that gets us into the whole demonic aspect as well, though, because um, it's almost like, yeah. I think I think that did happen. 
I really do, actually. And uh, but but the but the way I looked at it the other day, I had my buddy Dennis Carroll on my show. He's a demonologist, mm-hmm. and I asked him about that. I said, "What about when Eisenhower made that deal with the aliens? What if he was making the deal with the devil to sign us all on our behalf as humans, making a deal oh, a to give our souls over, basically, to demonic forces?" I mean, it was just a question. I, I don't. I'm, I'm not saying that's true. But no, no, it's no. Just a thought, I, you got right? a question. You got it. You because have everything's to a contract, right? Uh, the demonic stuff. It's all contracts. It's like selling your soul to the devil, right? It's like he might have. It, it's almost like he sold us all over humanity and then look, over to the demons. Look how much what, technology. What if that happened? That's exactly. Yeah, but, but what's the price of the technology? Technology has taken over. It's, and look how it's much wiping chaos. out humanity is on this is on this earth there is so much chaos if you look at a video where you're putting a a one second clip of everything going on around the world right now it looks like the worst place you could ever live homelessness dying you know the the division i mean it's just there shouldn't be anyone starving there shouldn't anyone without a home i mean you know exactly we could do a lot a lot better. And what's funny is look how much we have spent on the Ukraine war. All that money could take every person off the street in the United States. Yeah. That's but we don't do gone. that. And see, that's the weird question I always ask. Why do we not choose? We allow them to do that stuff to us. We sign a contract unwittingly, most of us, mm-hmm. when we're born, our parents sign us over to the state, to the government with a piece of paper called our, our birth certificate, right? Our social security cards. It's like we are, we're contracted slaves, basically. I know that sounds kind of a little bit out there perhaps, but I no, mean, that's, that's but I've never thought it. of it that way. And you got to think about it as like in a, in a demonic way, kind of, it is kind of demonic all this stuff. I don't know. You know what? Um, you want to go just, back it's just food for thought. to the Holocaust. With all the numbers on their arms, what do you think our social security number is? Yeah, it's like a barcode. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Wow, that is so interesting. Jessica, we have to do this. It might be a little bit much. This is fun talking with you. Part two, part three. (laughs) We're on that vibe. We're we're on the same frequency, Farah. Wow. (laughs) I like it that that's why I said I felt a connection. I'm like, she's a me. But she's yeah. here and I'm here because I got a long ways to oh, go no. to be oh, to be a her and be in the research <laughs> and get out there. But my property, Jessica, I've caught tree knocks. I've caught. Did you see the orb that I caught? No, I haven't. I have to see that. That's awesome. I'll, I'll send it to you on the Instagram. Oh, my gosh. I would um, love to see it. I've caught a Bigfoot how. OK, I'll wow. send that to to you. And you, of course, tell me what you think. You know, it's not, like I said, it's not that I say it's 100% this, but this cave, I want to know more about it. I know that the Chickasaw and the Cherokee were both here. This was their land. Also, that it's the paranormal bubble. You know, the the, um, particle reactor is not far away. It's about less than two hours. That's one what I'm excited the, about right there. It causes a lot the, of high strangeness. Yes. One of the best wolf me, or dog man sightings happened less than an hour away from me oh on my Black God. Mountain. And those those things what? can travel pretty far, too. So there's no telling. Yeah. And, and the zombie bear. Don't forget, that's where Tony bear. Aarons and Amber Miller were killed. Where I remote viewed the zombie bear over in, um, 
what is it? Cock County or something like that? Cook County or Cock County? I will have to look at that. I didn't know that story. It's not far Tennessee. Oh my gosh. They were attacked, both attacked by um, packs of wild dogs. And I was asked to look into it because actually Amber's, Amber lost like 70, it was like 90% of her flesh or something. She <sighs> lived for like five days after that happened. Good and, God. What? And it, some a pack of wild dogs was blamed on her death. And on Tony Aaron, they were killed. It was on the same road two different times, like a month apart. Uh, well, does that have any correlation with the LBL, with those stories in the 80s about some people being killed? I remote viewed that, too. Yeah, the land between the lakes. Absolutely. It's not the same. Uh, it's different. But uh, it, it, I can't even say it was really a, I don't think it was a dog man that killed Amber and Tony, but it was what my data suggested was a zombie bear. Which is really crazy. I just talked with D.A. Roberts about that. He's he's coming on the show uh, this week on on my show. We're gonna we, we talk about that. We're gonna talk about it. Um, wow. I would love to learn more about yeah. all that you do, all that you've <laughs> seen. You are just such a fascinating person in this in this category. I have never spoke with anyone like you before. And my God, I feel like blessed. It's like a oh, wait, thank girl, you. we're not worthy no, kind of moment. No, stop it. It is but, fun. This is awesome. It's good vibing with somebody because you're 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 in the know and uh I you have, definitely yeah, am. I've done a super lot smart. of research. I love it. I've done you a do. lot of tell. research. Um but yeah, I, I want to do a part two, three, four, ten, and oh, we'll do this. We, we can do it anytime. anytime. We're doing the um, end of June. We're doing yeah. the, um, you know, hunt for the Sasquatch. Oh, I'm going to be there. I'm coming to you. I'm going to be there. Yes. We're gonna I can't so wait. I can't wait to stand be side crazy. beside you and research you with my yes. God, the things you could teach me. I'm so excited. I am <laughs> my brain. Which is good about me is I always suck knowledge. I'm always asking okay. questions. I always want to know. So whatever you want to teach, I am all about it. But okay. um, you got it. For now, though, for ending this episode, please tell all my wonderful listeners where you can be found when your shows are, um, your handles, everything, Jessica. Okay, thank you. I can be found at thecryptedhuntress.com. That's my website. It's got all my shows on there, all of my um, events that I'm going to be presenting at and speaking at and making appearances at. And uh, yeah, I've got a YouTube channel. It's The Cryptid Huntress. Please subscribe, like those videos, share them out. And uh, I do a live show every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. And uh, and I bring the best in the cryptid community and fields and, and any kind of paranormal, supernatural stuff, demonology, you name it. I bring them on my show. And uh, Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, I do a show where I remote view weird stuff like cryptids and paranormal oh. encounters and anim animal attacks that probably weren't real animals. They're usually Dogman or Bigfoot or something. Something else. Um, so we look into that. That's Thursday. And then every weekend, Saturday and Sunday night, I am a weekend host at Spaced Out Radio. I have a show. I have a show called Off the Trails, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern every Saturday and Sunday night on Spaced Out Radio. That's um, on YouTube and Facebook uh, with, with Spaced Out Radio. Um, but, yeah, that's where you can find me. Also, I am uh, presenting at the Journey to Truth Conference at the end of May. Uh, I'm actually going to be in Las Vegas this weekend. I'm not sure when the podcast is coming out, but it may already be over by the time I'm in Vegas. But um, but I'm broadcasting live from there uh, this weekend. And then I'm going to be presenting at the second annual Paranormal Roundtable 
Dogman Conference. Uh, that's in Fort Worth, Texas, Labor Day weekend. So that's, I think that's September 2nd and 3rd. Um, it's a three-day event. It's a three days of, the for Friday night is like a VIP event uh, for like a meet and greet. Okay. Uh, so y'all come and see me, everybody. Come out and yes. see us. It's going to be fun. And that's a wrap on my fabulous conversation with Jessica, the cryptid huntress. Now, uh, one thing, Kevin Crew, before we end here today, I know we still have to put out that last last episode of the Virginia City Chronicles, which is the Clown Motel and the Mitzbah. There was some, you know, personal life issues going on with a few of us, so we had to kind of postpone it. But we were going to do it for next Tuesday, and we just realized that's the fourth so we're going to go back to the drawing board figure out an end date for that series and you know we will put it out as soon as possible you'll all get the notification go on instagram to keep apprised as to when we're going to drop and do that live episode and other than that until next time cabin crew explore your strange <laughs>